Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans. Bird, ready, bird. Very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't beat us up. Don't And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris, everyone. Yo, what's up, everybody? And on the line with us, live from the Wookiee compound, the Majestic Beast... The big stinking Wookiee. Uh, Nicholas Crosby, everyone. Oh, man. How do, I, how do I not know the intro by now? You know what? What's you going know what? on, everybody? Well, it's a wild time now in the world. There's blackouts <laughs> all over the country. Global warming's messing with us. And guys, you know, we got a special episode for you this week. I feel like it's like when the astronauts go to the moon and there's that part when they go around to the dark side where they lose communication with Earth. That's kind of the part of the NFL season we're at when it comes to, yeah. when it comes to excitement. Because right about now, a lot of people are tuning out. Besides mm. the diehard psychos. Yeah. Um, but guess what? A lot of podcasts, they're not keeping it up all year. Not us, Mike. We're still here. We're still here grinding of course. all year long like we always do. Okay? Absolutely. And what we want to throw at people the next couple weeks, because as we know, the biggest question, the number one topic when it comes to our squad is who is going to be our quarterback next season. Is it going to be Sam? Is it going to be Zach Wilson? Is it going to maybe be Justin Fields? You know, maybe there's an option we don't even know of, guys. Maybe the miracle happens and we get Deshaun Watts. Maybe that happens. <laughs> Who knows? Yep. But I do know there's a lot of volatility, probably more movement this offseason at the quarterback position will take place than any time in the history of the NFL that I could ever remember in my life. Three different quarterbacks get moved this year. Wentz, as we know, got traded today to the Colts. Goff got moved. Stafford got moved. Wentz got moved. Three guys already. And I just want to throw it at you guys and see what you think because this year in the NFL, I counted. Now, you have three teams already. I counted 18 teams. There will probably won't be 18 teams that change their quarterback, but 18 teams, at least right now, that could make a change. And I'm just going to read some of these names off to you. Now, we know the Jets, right, guys? Probably going to have a new QB. Could be Sam. High chance we have a new QB. Lions already made a move. Rams made a move. Colts made a move. Eagles are going to be going with Hurts next year. That's a new quarterback. Washington. Who knows? Could be Haskins, could be Alex Smith, could be someone else. Yeah. The Panthers, the Panthers, we know might have a big interest in Justin Fields also or making a move. They tried to also trade for Stafford. The Bears, you hear a lot of rumblings about them trying to trade for Sam. You read that yep. in the papers a lot now. The Jaguars, you know, we're gonna draft Lawrence. The Patriots, I doubt yeah. Cam Newton's gonna be back there. The New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees is retiring. Right. Guys, I'm running, that's a lot of teams already. And then you look at it. Drew Locke led the league in interceptions last year. He's probably going to be back with the Broncos, but I wouldn't be shocked if they made a move. It wouldn't be shocking no. to me. You no. know, the Texans are probably not going to trade Deshaun Watson, but that could happen from all reports. Big Ben wants to keep playing, but what it came out this week, they said they have to take a realistic look at that position, the Steelers said. Would you yeah. never heard them say anything like that? 49ers and Garoppolo, guys. They're in the, uh, the Deshaun Watson mix. Garoppolo, I know, has been a little disappointing. The Falcons might draft Justin Fields. And then even with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, guys. 
Have you ever? Can you even imagine? I just named 18 teams. Now, all those guys aren't going to make moves. But guys, can you ever remember a time that the quarterback carousel in the league has been this enormous where there could potentially be this much movement in one offseason? That there's a few factors that go into that. One, the amount of QB talent that's out there. You didn't even mention the Dallas Cowboys. They could be moving on from Dak Prescott. True, true. There's many teams that uh, may be going in different directions because of, number one, like I said, there's a lot of quarterback talent out there. But number two, we're learning that just because you have talent doesn't mean that there's going to be success. You have to match that talent with the right scheme, the right coach. So there are coaches out there that see quarterbacks that haven't been able to execute and said, you know what, in my system, I can get that quarterback to execute a la Sam Darnold, right? So um, that, and given COVID, given the salary cap, given the the, the, the current situation with the, with the, with the league, Yes, there's a lot of movement right now. This is a lot. There's a lot of transition, and the the old model of status quo quarterback plays for 15 years for one franchise may that 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 model may end up be changing because of the way the different coaching schemes and how that goes along. So yeah, what do you think? Look, this this off season with the QBs. I mean, the Jets are part of it. We're going to get into part one of our QB Chronicles here in a minute and break down Justin Fields for everyone with Bill Rabinowitz. But what do you think, man, this offseason? I would, I would, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, no, I haven't seen this much uh, movement with that many teams and quarterbacks that could be new or have already become new. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting as a football fan just to see where everything's going to go before the season starts. But to what Mike said before, the 15-year quarterback, very rare now. Very yeah. rare. Uh, Goff was supposed to be that guy when he got drafted. That didn't work out. Wentz was supposed to be that guy. Looked like he was going to be that guy in 2017. We saw what he did last year. So it's yeah. uh, it's becoming a rarity that they're they're staying there longer. The the carousel looks like it's going to bring a lot of uh, a lot of fun to this offseason. Yeah, and you know, yeah. there's a bunch of quarterback prospects heading into this draft. We know the one right at the top is Trevor Lawrence. We know the guy through high school and in college that was riding back to him as, as a prospect was Justin Fields. And we know that we have Sam Darnold as a quarterback right now, 23 years old, might have got dealt a bad hand there the first three years. We've talked about it to our blue in the face, our opinions on Sam. And he's going to get his own show, too, when we go through this quarterback chronicle, because Sam could be the guy we have as our quarterback next year. That's could realistic, be. Mike. There's a could 20, 30 percent chance that that's real. And they stick with him. I'm not saying that's out of the question. But right. this week, what we wanted to do, the first part of the QB Chronicles here is going to be dedicated to one Justin Fields. We were able to get Bill Rabinowitz. He's a beat reporter for the Columbus Dispatch. He's covered Ohio State for about 10 years there. He's covered the Browns for 20 years. Covers the Blue Jackets there sometimes too. He's written two books on Ohio State. So he gave us a lot of good insight on Justin Fields, what he's all about, strength and weaknesses, all these type of things his past couple years in his career. So let's get right into it. Our interview with Bill Rabinowitz, part one of the QB Chronicles. Here we go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Welcome back to the show. You know, as we mentioned, uh, the next few weeks, we're going to do a few episodes, kind of going through the quarterbacks we think are the most likely candidates to be the Jet quarterback next year. That would be one, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Sam Darnold coming back to us to be with Robert Salah and Gang Green in 2021. Going through these three guys, we need some experts to kind of break them down for us better than we could from the outside looking in. So um, we have a special guest this week from the Columbus Dispatch, Ohio State beat reporter Bill Rabinowitz joining the t- joining the show. Thank you very much, Bill. Nice to be with you. 
Yeah, really cool. Appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time here. I know you've been with the Dispatch for a while. You put out two books on Ohio State also. So we'll be very happy to have your knowledge enlighten some of these Jet fans on the on the comings and goings of Justin Fields. Um, great season for Ohio State. I know the last game didn't end that great, but great season for them as a whole. Um, only one loss this year in the national title game. We, we're going to get into what you think about him as a prospect and his strength and weaknesses. But before we get into that, that game itself, I just want to ask you what you think. I know it was a month ago, but the game itself, what do you really think went down in the game? Do you just think that it was, they were just, the personnel was just, they were overmatched. Do you think it was a coaching thing? Do you think it, it goes a little bit on Justin Fields' shoulders? How do you, why do you think the game went down the way it did? I give most of the credit, honestly, to Alabama. I think they were that good. Uh, that that collection of talent that they had, it was a special group. Um, yeah, it just was. And I think yeah. Ohio State would have had to play a perfect game. And Ohio State just never really was able to get into a groove because of the pandemic and the games they missed. They didn't play in consecutive weeks after the first two weeks until, well, I don't think all year, actually, True. until the last two games. And I just think it was hard to get into a rhythm and that they're missing some key players every game. But against Alabama, they needed everybody to be there sure. and playing well. And they didn't have everybody. And so, you know, and then they lose Trey Sermon on the first play of the game. Yep. And I'm sure the game plan was let's ride Trey Sermon. Obviously supplemented with Justin Fields passing. But let's really, you know, ride uh, Trey Sermon 25, 30 carries, keep Alabama's offense off the field. And when he got hurt, there went the game plan. Yeah, but again, mostly I give credit to Alabama. They were all right. Now I wanted to go down memory lane, uh, lane just a little bit with Justin Fields. So he comes from Georgia. We know he was sitting behind Jake Fromm his freshman year, and he probably would have ended up sitting behind him his sophomore year. Um, He ended up transferring over to Ohio State. Was it more of the fact that he just didn't want to play behind Fromm? Or was there, uh, you know, maybe a lack of, of, of skill or did they not see him potentially, you know, at the start over there? Um, what, what, what do you think was the genesis and the major genesis behind him, him moving over to Ohio State? Yeah, obviously I, I didn't cover Georgia, so I don't really know what was going on down there. I, I think it was more a matter of he didn't want to wait any more to play. And Jake yeah. Fromm had taken Georgia to the national championship game really with an air of, of winning it as a freshman. and kind of knew, well, you know, do I really want to wait behind this guy? And, and, right. and Ohio State had a had an opening. I mean, Dwayne Haskins left. They really didn't have anybody. Tate Martell was clearly not going to be the guy. And so why not? And, and it worked out well, I think, for everybody. I mean, I think Georgia would have liked to have had Justin Fields this year, but you know, they can't. <laughs> really That's true. Uh, and it certainly worked out very well for Ohio State mm. because Justin Fields, I mean, I've covered you know, a, lot, a lot of quarterbacks. He's the most complete quarterback that I've covered at Ohio State. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He had a phenomenal year, you know, 51 touchdowns total, uh, 41 passing, 10 rushing. Um, one of the reasons that I was in 2019 when he, we know Coach Day was one of the reasons why he wanted to come to Ohio State. When he came, did the coaching staff at Ohio State feel that they had their leader, that you guys saw him in practice and were like, wow, this is the real deal. Like you said, this is the most complete quarterback you've seen when he first got there. What were those initial feelings like? Were you guys like impressed by his skill set? Well, we, you know, college is different than the pros. We don't get to see him much. We saw a few practices that spring, just limited amounts of time. And honestly, he looked a little rusty. But you have to figure, look, this is a guy who is coming to a new school, new coaches, new teammates, new playbook, different state, trying mm-hmm. to acclimate academically. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, you knew that there had to be growing pains. But I think the surprise was how quickly he did adapt. Yeah. And I think he was smart. The first year, he kind of was stayed in the background a little bit, didn't kind of try to be that rah-rah guy. Knew he had to earn the respect of his teammates before he could really be a vocal leader. And, and that process happened gradually. But by this year, he was clearly the leader on offense. He was the guy. It was his offense. And I, and I think he handled things very well. He never had a misstep on or off the field in terms of, you know, behavior or any. I mean, he's just a very solid guy. Comes from a good family. Um, he, he was everything that Ohio State hoped he would be. Yeah, those are all the things you want to hear, too. All the off-the-field intangibles sometimes, which get overlooked. I know he's 13-1 there. 2019, this year, he's 7-1. So that year in 2019, statistically, was ridiculous. This year was obviously pretty good, too. They had the truncated season, only played eight games. And like you said earlier, and you know better than us, such a strange season because they basically only played really five regular season games. They had the Big Ten Championship game. Then they had the two college playoff championship games. So it is kind of strange to kind of – it's harder, I guess, to judge him when they talk about – a lot of people talking about Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. It doesn't seem like – uh, people are giving him as fair a shake as the year before because he didn't play as many games. But I want to ask you a question. We kind of live in the difference between one week, or I should say one game, because after the Northwestern game, there's a lot of hype throughout the season. And that's really the only negative press, at least Nash on a national basis, I remember Fields getting was after the Northwestern game. That was a tough game for him. I know he had a lot of incompletions, uh, some, some turnovers there. He got sacked a bunch of times. May, I don't know. You know better than me. I think maybe his worst game that he played at, at Ohio State. Oh, Would you say that? Question. Yeah, okay. Without so question. and then and then yeah. Bill. So after that game, the vibe, and this is why I wanted to ask you, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just the vibe in Columbus after that game, going into the Clemson game, was anyone down on him, or was it just like that's an aberration, that's a one-game thing? Because in New York, the way we get so overhyped here in New York, the papers are writing. We're in the middle of our tanking our season, and people are like, "Oh, Justin Fields, forget about him. It's all about Lawrence or all these other guys." And I'm like, "You got to be kidding me! It's just one game." So how, how did you look at it after that game? Well, everything got magnified because they played so few games. And in the other kind of big game I had had against Indiana, he threw three picks. Mm, yeah, and true. they were kind of bad picks. Yeah. So there, there, you know, there you have Indiana and Northwestern, by far the two toughest teams Ohio State played. Yeah. Didn't play all that well. Now he threw for 300 yards against Indiana, so it wasn't. Yeah. But against Northwestern, he wasn't. He did not play well. Mm. And and so when he goes in to play uh, Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, and then all that is at stake for Ohio State after coming off that that terrible loss last year, there was a lot of pressure on him. And he delivered. I mean, that game made him millions oh. of dollars. Because if he had had another clunker, you know, who knows how far he would have slid. Now, I still think he's a first-round talent, no matter yep. what. Scouts would see that. But if he had another bad game, a Northwestern-ish game, and yeah. he <clears throat> and they lose, I think he drops middle of the first round, maybe maybe lower. Who knows? But he, mm -hmm. he put it all together that game. Ohio State played great. They were so motivated to beat Clemson. I mean, it's that was their that was their Michigan this year because they didn't yep. play Michigan. Yep. Um, yep, you're right. And against Alabama, he played okay. You know, he, he had the he had the injury. He got hit really, you know, that spear oh, he took. Oh my god. So, yeah. You know, he, he showed his toughness just by playing. Yep. True. He missed a couple throws and he would have had to have been perfect. I'm not sure even that would have been enough, but it would have kept him in the game longer than it did. Yeah. Um Alabama, I tell you, even on defense, they Ohio State almost always – Ohio State looked against Alabama the way Ohio State makes opponents look generally against them. They look slow against yep. Alabama. And Ohio State's not a slow team. No, not at all. That's, yeah, just, right. that's just what Alabama did. So his receivers didn't get a lot of separation. Um, he didn't. He wasn't protected as well as he had been. And he missed a couple throws. And against Alabama, you would have had to have been perfect, and he wasn't. He would have had to have been perfect. And 
Would you think that that Clemson game, that national stage against uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's been being compared to Trevor Lawrence right out of high school, one and two, you know, all the way. So being on stage, throwing six touchdowns, 385 yards, I think he had, 42 on the ground. Was that his singular best game you have seen him play as a Buckeye? Yeah. Yeah, because of the stakes, because of the competition, exactly because right. of the stakes. Yeah, I mean, did he light up other teams, inferior teams? Yeah. Uh, if you give him time, he will pick you apart. The one knock on him is, is does he go through his progressions fast enough? Does he hold the ball too long sometimes? And I think that's, those are legitimate questions for him to have to answer of right. NFL teams. That, but in terms that, of the arm strength and the accuracy and obviously his, his scrambling ability, I, I don't think that's really a question at all. That, that's what I was really going to get to. And then against that Alabama game, like you said, he ha- would have had to be perfect. And one of the things that we see or hear about Justin Fields and knock on him is that when the schedule play breaks down, when things go awry and he has to make a play, he's not as um, efficient at making those calls as if it's in, within the drawn play, right? And so do you think that's something that he is going to struggle with at the next level, because frankly, in the NFL, um, not all things are going to go to script and you're going to have to be able, I mean, that's why I, I don't mean to bring up the name, but a guy like Johnny Manziel, he was not successful in the NFL, but what he was, was able to find success within chaos. Do you think that's something that Justin Fields could learn how to do? You know, he did, he did make a lot of plays um, after the, the pocket broke down. Uh, he's fast enough to get out of the pocket and the fact that he can run makes defenses wary because obviously you can't commit to that. You can't just back off him because he will run. Um, I think it's more in the pocket. When he's in the pocket mm. and the first receiver is not there and the second receiver is not there, does he react quickly enough? <clears throat> That's a question. You know, mm. I, I don't pretend to be a scout. I don't pretend to, to say he, he can or can't. Um, I do know that's a question that scouts are going to be looking at and asking him and, and pouring over tape to, to figure out. Um, every, look, everybody, every quarterback has has weaknesses. That's just, and this is the time of year when it seems like all we hear are, are about people's flaws. Right. Um, I think that's a legitimate question that he's going to have to answer. And, yeah, I didn't know. I was wondering if that. I was wondering if that was an accurate criticism of him or not, because I didn't know. And it's good to hear. I mean, all quarterbacks are going to have some things, no matter who you are, even if it's Trevor Lawrence or whoever the case may be, they're going to have some things that rookie year they're going to have to improve on. And what I want to ask you, just on the, on the flip side, some positive things about him. What are what are the things in his skill set? You mentioned some of them already, but just if you could let the audience know, say he became a Jet or whatever team you think he might go to, what are some of the positive things that are in his skill set now, even before he plays his rookie season, that you think will translate to the NFL that will really excite teams next year? Yeah, he's very accurate. There a couple times he, and that's but generally he was very accurate. Uh, and has touch on the short throws, can throw the deep ball really well. Arm strength is not going to be a question. He made some deep out routes, out route throws that were just phenomenal. I remember a few times just saying in the press box, that's an NFL throw. I covered the NFL for 12 <laughs> yeah. years. So I, yeah. I, mean, I covered. Vinny Testaverde, who threw a beautiful ball back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinny! Vinny! With the Ravens. I covered, I covered the Ravens when, when Vinny had a Pro Bowl year. Yeah. And Vinny made it look like a video game. He was just yeah. like, ding, ding. Um, you know, Justin Fields can make every throw. He's mm. got the speed. Uh, he's got the toughness. He can fight for yardage when he runs. Um, he's a good guy. I mean, he, he. I know his father pretty well. We've become pretty close. And we kind of joke about our, our sons who are the same age. And, um, but he, he's just a 
he's just a smart kid. He's a level-headed kid. I think he, he's a very serious kid. He, he knows what he wants to do. He's determined to be successful. He changed his whole diet. He went vegan. Um, <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he went vegan in the off-season just because he thought it would make his body feel better. His dad started it, and then he started he kind of did it because he was in quarantine in Georgia with his dad. Okay, let's try it. And liked it so much that he's kept to it. I'm assuming yeah. he still has. I don't know yeah, yeah. in a while. But, you know, he, he was instrumental in, in getting the Big Ten to reconsider playing. He, he formed this petition. They got hundreds of thousands of, of signatures uh, online just to, to kind of urge the Big Ten to play. So he's he's a very, I mean, aside from football, if there was just stock to buy in Justin Fields as a person, whether he'll be successful in life, I'd buy that stock. I mean, I just I just think he's a, a, a solid guy, not going to have any off-the-field issues. I'd, I'd be shocked. Now, I covered yeah. Dwayne Haskins, and I didn't anticipate what happened to him either. Yeah, right, right. But, sure. No, and, and it's not fair to compare the two very different, very different people. Um, Were you surprised by I, that? Those reports that came out of Washington this year, just when because the reports, are, yeah, the immaturity issues. He didn't seem, you know, obviously, no, you covered him. He didn't seem like yeah. he seemed like a pretty heady guy to me in interviews when he was at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I, I am surprised. I'm not going to lie about that. I thought he would have some adjustments to make, and I did not think honestly that being uh, drafted by the Redskins, uh, I'm sorry, Washington, his hometown yeah. team, yeah, it was it was that team before, I guess. Um, <laughs> Drafted by his hometown team was really the right thing for him. And a lot of that stemmed from that team's dysfunction. Sure. Mm. Uh, you know, when when the owner wants you, but the coach doesn't, that's that's a formula uh, for disaster. That's now, bad news. Now, I, I know you never covered USC. Just wanted to get your professional opinion. You've been around NFL players, NFL quarterbacks, talents. I'm sure that you watched our quarterback, young Sam Darnold. He was a very high recruit out of USC, third overall pick. In your opinion, your professional opinion, do you think that Justin Fields is at level at par with the way where Sam was when coming out in uh, 2018? Would you say that they're comparable or that Fields would be ahead in your opinion if you were like, a, you know, looking at them in a vacuum? Yeah, that's required. I saw Darnold play against Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Um, and the funny thing is just about Sam, no, he looks like my son. It's the funniest thing. Hold on. Have <laughs> you really? That's we're awesome. Gonna to, we're going to have to see a photo of this. Oh, it oh does, wow, it does. A little, little more fur in the face, but it does look like Sam. It does. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Wow. Let's and find out. At the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, I see Sam Darnold across the room. And I, I did a double take because I wasn't wearing my glasses. It was pretty far away. I thought, is that my son? <laughs> and then I walked out and I said, no, he's too tall to be my son. My son's like maybe 6'1". And and then I showed him the picture of my son. He went, "Oh my!" He was like, "Yes, you're right." <laughs> the doppelganger. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but but to answer your question, you know, they're different players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I only saw Sam Darnold play once live, and, and Ohio State pretty much <laughs> had their way with USC that day. So that's probably not the best way to judge him. I think Sam Darnold might be. I'm just guessing. Maybe a more natural. I don't know. Not that I want to say that, but. I think Sam Darnold just has a natural flair for throwing the ball. I think of him as a passer. Yeah. Whereas Justin Fields, I mean, certainly is a passer. And I, I hate the, the idea people think he's like this dual threat guy in college or, or the pros. He's yeah. not. He's a he's a quarterback. Um, uh, but he is clearly more mobile than Sam Darnold. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Yes. You know, I didn't see any of Sam Donald in the pros. So I, I, I'm not qualified to answer that, honestly. Yeah. No, okay. I'm not sure. You might not have seen Sam, but I'm not sure if you noticed in Jess' history, we have not had the best history with the quarterback. I, I'm aware of your history. You, it's a star-crossed. <laughs> oh, it's star-crossed as a guest, Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's – I. I'm even, I know I'm much older than you guys, but even I don't remember the Joe Namath Super Bowl. That's yeah, before. see, there you go. There you go. So that's what <laughs> I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Bill. We have lots of swings and misses, and we don't have that many picks. Really, at the top of the draft, there's Joe Namath, Mark Sanchez, and Mike, help me, there's Sanchez, there's Sam Darnold, and then mid-first round, Ken O'Brien and Chad Pennington off the top of my head. Right. They right. haven't taken, not only have we had not had that many guys in the first round, but regardless of how you arrive at your quarterback position, lots of swing and misses, and it's created yeah. a certain type of uh, kind of negative mindset in the Jet fan, in the psyche. You know what I'm saying, Bill? So I, what I want to- I did cover I, the Browns. Oh, so you know. He knows, he knows, he knows. When you, when you kind of wallow in that misery long enough, it can beat you down. So when yes. it comes to that position specifically, when we, I want to just throw this at you. When we bring up Justin Fields to Jet fans, um, we discussed him on the show a bunch of different times. And what you hear from them often is, what Ohio State quarterbacks ever been good? And they go through Haskins, Terrell Pryor, and uh, Cardell Jones. And when I was growing up, Kenzel and Bobby Hoying. It goes, it goes back pretty right. far. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not necessarily at that position. Plenty of great players from Ohio State. But at quarterback position translating. Not that that matters. It's kind of short-sighted to think Justin Fields' future depends on that. It doesn't. But just when it comes to that position, Jet fans, they're almost like we're looking at him, hoping he do something wrong just because they wanted to criticize him. So I wanted to ask you. And I think you said this before, all those dudes I just mentioned beforehand and all the guys you covered, I guess, in the past 10 years, which is much more relevant. Is he the best prospect of all those guys? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Okay. Um, you know, I thought Haskins, because he only had one year of experience and because he was not a great athlete, you know, wasn't, couldn't really you know, run to the, I mean, to the standard that Ohio State was used to, um, you know, threw a beautiful ball. I mean, Dwayne Haskins throws a beautiful ball. But I, and he's a smart guy. So, you know, I am a little surprised at, at how badly he flamed out in Washington, mm -hmm. especially the off the field stuff. That, that surprised me a lot. But when you only start one year, you know, that's that's a question. Um, sure. You know, beforehand, and Braxton Miller got hurt, so we never, we'll never know what happened. You know, JT Bear was really not NFL, an NFL quarterback. Cardell Jones, again, started, I don't know, eight games, something yeah, like sure. that. Yep. Um, but it is amazing when you look at Ohio State's history in the draft. In every other position, mm. you can just name like an all-pro team. Absolutely. Just from those guys, except for quarterback. I mean, probably the best is, is Kent Graham or Mike Tomczak. <laughs> you know, true. journeyman guys. <laughs> That's probably true, though. That's it is true. true. Yeah, yeah. Tomczak's probably the best guy, I bet. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, a lot of that is because Woody Hayes and, and even Earl Bruce – you know, they, they were kind of prehistoric offenses, especially yeah. Woody. Um, you know, Troy Smith wasn't really big enough. I mean, he was, you know, really, I mean, a great college quarterback. Yeah. He was a fifth-round pick. And so, it, yeah, I mean, is there pressure on Justin Fields because of that? I mean, I don't know if pressure is the right word. I think there's probably skepticism toward him. Sure, maybe yeah. more than if he were coming from a different uh, elite program. Yeah. That's just, you know, I, I think he believes. I think he does. He has all the tools to be a successful NFL quarterback. Can uh, he handle physically? The pressure is not going to get to him. I don't think. Yeah. I, I just he never got rattled with anything. He's never going to say something stupid in a press conference. Yeah. Um, his Perfect. teammates really like him. Uh, you know, quarterbacks in a funny position. They want you to lead them, and they want you to kind of have that arrogance to tell them 
fellow other positions, you know, get your, you know, what together. Right. Um, on the other hand, they want him to be one of the guys. And sure. I think he, he was, I'm not, he was one of the guys, but I think he also commanded respect. I think, as I said earlier, with the way that last year, 2019, he didn't come in as, Hey, I'm, I'm the savior. You know, that was not his attitude. Yeah. I'm going to just shut up and do my work and win, win respect through my work. Um, you know, and this year, not just Justin Fields, all these college players, they sacrificed so much just to play. They lived essentially as hermits, other than being in the facility and playing the games. Yeah. Because the fear of COVID was so big. I mean, Justin Fields lived by himself with his dog, and that was mm. it. Wow. Never, they never saw all these players like that. They never saw anybody other than at the facility or at games. Yeah, his father would go to games wow. and he would wave to him. That would be it. No wow. hugs. No, you know, think about how hard that is. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And again, it wasn't just Justin Fields; it was the whole team and, and really everyone in college football. So, but it was. I, I give all the credit in the world to those to college football players um, for doing what they did to play last year. So you do believe that Justin Fields can handle the pressure of New York City because here is a media market like no other. The paper will go after you immediately. It doesn't even matter if it's your first game. I know Sam had a bad game, his second game against the Dolphins, and the post was ripping him already. Mike Piazza um, got booed his first game. I was there, and I was like, what yeah. is everyone doing? Stop! He's gonna. He's not going to want to stay here. What are yeah. we doing? It's tough yeah. in New York, but you think, and we've heard, we've heard that that he's a Joe Douglas type of guy. Like he, Joe Douglas, our GM, he's very high on character. This guy's a leader. This guy, like you said, he's a, people respect him in the locker room. He's not going to be out at the clubs. He's not going to be doing, you know, stupid things. Um, but you do think that he can handle the pressures of big, the big apple. Yeah, I think so. Now it's always a mystery because he's 22 years old or whatever he is. And, right. and he's going to be a multi-gazillionaire and, and, <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm just saying, I think he's as well prepared to handle it as any, as any quarterback I've, I've covered. Fair. You know, I, I think, I mean, Cardell Jones was a knucklehead for most of his college career. <laughs> I mean, he just was. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I love Cardell. He's a, a great guy, but he, he was not exactly Mr. Maturity for most of his college career. Um, you know, Troy Smith wasn't either, honestly, when he was here. Uh, who were the other guys? I mean, um, you know, Haskins, you know, I mean, I, again, I'm surprised by what happened, but, I, but as I said earlier, I, I'm not surprised that it didn't work out with, uh, with his hometown team. Well, he's yeah. with Mike Tomlin now, so we'll see what happens we'll with see. the Steelers. Right. All right. He'll get a second chance. Uh, and I, I know Bill, you also cover the Blue Jackets out there, um, in Columbus. Occasionally. And I, occasionally. And I want to ask you a question. Our boy, John Tortorella is the coach out there. He's been doing a great job. Had a one-year stop over there in Vancouver and then has been with you guys ever since leaving the Rangers. Um, like I said, he's done a great job, but how is the interactions? Cause I know how it was in New York, his interactions with the media. I don't know if you have any personal interaction with him at all. Cause he yeah. is somebody that will get right to the point. If he doesn't like a question or a specific person, yeah. how has he been with the media in Columbus? Uh, back and forth with you guys has it been has it been all good has he been testy sometimes with you guys uh you know he's been good i mean i, I i'm very good friends with uh well both our beat writer and then aaron portsline who writes for the athletic used to be with our paper okay and look reporters like good quotes and he gives you good quotes you know you can see, i mean there are there times when when he gets the red ass yeah there are <laughs> yeah. you know but that's that's fine i'll tell you i'll tell you john twitter all story again i I barely knew him, especially then. This is three years ago. And I very rarely covered the team. And I happened to 
he's a big dog lover. I don't know if you know that about him. Yep. Big dog lover. Yep. So I happened to, to cover a game um, right right after my dog died, the one that's um, over my oh. shoulder. <clears throat> and it was the first dog I'd ever had. I was I was devastated. Sure, yeah. And so I'm talking to John Tortorella. Actually, I wasn't covering the game. I was doing a story about leadership. And so I asked him uh, to do this interview, and he was great for 20 minutes. He was great talking about leadership. And on my phone, the picture, the, the screenshot is of, of my dog, Lucy. And I just, he looked at it, and I pointed out, yeah, she just died two weeks ago. And this is what he said to me. He said, they're designed to break your heart. <laughs> I thought that was a perfect description because that's true. If they do their job, they live for 10 or 12 years or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, and you and you're heartbroken. Well, yeah. but if you love them, that's what happens, and yeah. and that gave me comfort. I mean, it was just you know, one line. Yeah. You now I think there's a lot. I mean, I don't know him well. I mean, he if you asked him, he wouldn't know who I am. I'm sure. But I think that he is a thoughtful guy, who you know every now and then the the whatever in him gets pumping and gets frustrated you know you have to do these press conferences right after the game yeah you can be hot about it you know and i know larry brooks and he had <laughs> their Man. moments together oh my god <laughs> and i guess brooks is a you know provocateur i, sure. you know, I don't know him but yeah. he pushed his buttons yep. and i think john tortorella is somebody if you try to push his buttons you could probably push his buttons oh yeah <laughs> oh we know we know all too yeah. well over yeah. here bill but he's been in the in the zoom calls especially this year if I ask a question, he'll give me a thoughtful answer. You know, there's there's no nastiness or insult, no insults or anything like that. So there. I mean, do I that's know? That's good. I know, but I that's, that was a great story. We we appreciate that context. That's awesome because we you know we've yeah. gotten to know him for throughout the years. I uh, I know you're not uh, or you. I'm not sure if you do mock drafts or anything like that. Fortunately, but you, not. <laughs> but yes. if you had a if you had a prediction now just based on all that you know, and you were to guess, you know, with Lawrence and and, Devont and Smith and, and Penny Sewell and Zach Wilson and all these guys that are coming out in the draft and all, you know, the teams, where would you be, where is your bet on where Justin Fields is going to end up next year? Well, I think so much. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence will be the first pick. I mean, I, yeah. I'll be shocked if yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. I think after that, it's a crapshoot. I mean, you guys have the second pick. Mm -hmm. And I think it could be uh, Zach Wilson. I think it could be um, Justin Fields. I think they're probably going to decide between those two. If unless the new coach comes in and watches enough of Sam Donald, say I feel comfortable with him being my guy. And if that's the case, then you don't want to take a quarterback. <clears throat> I don't know. Where, <clears throat> I don't know where that stands. I mean, you know far better than I do about that. And then you've got some wild cards: Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell, and um, even uh, the tight end Pitts from from Florida. I mean, probably not where you're going, but yeah. um, top five, six kind of thing. I, I think I think it's a very fluid draft after you get past Trevor Lawrence. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Jets took fields. I wouldn't be surprised if, say, Atlanta did. I mean, I thought Detroit might be like the the, falling, the landing spot if he fell at seven, but obviously they just got Jared Goff, so they're mm. not going to take him. Um it's you know I don't I don't know enough about what the other teams might be thinking or what their needs are to know. Do I think he's a top five talent? Yeah, I absolutely think he's a top five talent. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
but I don't know that that necessarily means that he's going to go, you know, second or, or whatever. I just, you know, your, your guess is better than mine. Yeah. And I think the draft's going to really start with the Jets because we know that number one pick. Everyone knows what that, unless, you know, the Jaguars are just asleep at the wheel <laughs> or something. Mike is sending out miracle, miracle messages to people. Zach Wilson rated ahead of Lawrence. We're searching, scouring the internet for these links, Bill, to give us any evidence that maybe there's a chance if we know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I've covered enough drafts over the years to know that the closer you get to the draft, the more lying teams do. Absolutely. Yes. And so yes. it's all smoke screens. It's all deception. And you just, you just ignore it all and take who you think they're going to take. Or I mean, I, but I, I hated doing mock drafts because you're just designed oh. failure. It's because no right. one thing goes awry and the whole rest of your right. drafts is done for. Exactly. And we right. learned this the hard way. We, we've attempted these mock drafts the last couple of years. We were like, let's wade into this. Let's do the research. Let's read all the articles. And there's just, it doesn't, the, the best experts, Mel Kuyper gets the whole thing wrong. So, right. I mean, if he's getting it wrong and he gets paid all that money, what the hell are we supposed to do, you know? One year I got it. I got nine of the first 11 picks right. Oh, wow. But, that's tremendous. Well, I had a little help. One of the, I was covering, I think it was the Ravens at that point. And their guy basically did the mock draft for me. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, however, whatever you guys do to get the information. <laughs> the only pick we got so right last year, I think. Take the card, man. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Bill, man, this has really been a pleasure. We really want to thank you for joining us. I really, really appreciate it, giving you, us your insight on Ohio State football. I hope moving forward, if you want in the future, you can jump on with us again, maybe before the draft or something like that. Give us some more of your sure. knowledge. You know, we have a lot of transplanted New Yorkers somehow in Columbus that listen to our show. So all of you people, follow Bill, get the dispatch, follow him on Twitter. If you're an Ohio State fan, go get his books. They're sold everywhere. Go get them, guys. You know they're tremendous. They're anywhere near as good as Bill was today. I'm sure they're a great read. So thank you again, Bill. God bless you and your family, man. We really appreciate you giving us some time today. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. That was great getting a chance to chop it up with Bill there for a little bit. Who knew, Mike, that John Tortorella has a heart? We got that uh -huh. little, we got that little right. tidbit out of the interview. That was that was very very nice. I think we had to ask him about Ohio State and their record in the past with these QBs and the pros, Mike, because it has not been great. Yeah. Um, we had to drop that one on him. He didn't really disagree because they don't really have a guy you can point to as an elite quarterback in the pros. But what he did say, one of my big takeaways, Mike, was that. Of all those guys I mentioned when we ran through them, this guy, Justin Fields, is the best prospect he thinks they've had come into the pros. You know, yeah. of all the swings and misses they've had at quarterback um, with Braxton Miller and Pryor and Cardell Jones and Barrett and going back, he thinks this guy, Justin Fields, a much better NFL-ready prospect than any of those dudes, Mike. So that has to be at least a little encouraging if he was someone that is going to be considered by the squad. Yeah, his opinion on Justin Fields' uh, character and who he is uh, as a person, talking about his his home life, living by himself with his dog, not being, you know, going out partying, being looked upon as a leader, being one of those, those guys that you can really hang your hat on as far as the leader of a franchise. I thought he really gave some good perspective there. He essentially uh, explained why Justin Fields decided to leave his home, his native state, Georgia, and go to Ohio State. And the reason was he wanted to play, period. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. He want you know, and and he went in there and the coaches saw what type of talent he was. And he didn't, he wasn't like the uh, Robinitz said, he's not a dual threat quarterback. He is a quarterback. He can run really well, but he is a quarterback. We talked about some of the potential flaws in his game, you know, going through his progressions, 
you know, the some holding on to the ball. But overall, Bill was a big supporter. We asked him, what do you think of him compared to Sam as a prospect? He couldn't really, you know, address that because he didn't know Sam that well as a prospect. Only saw him play once and the time they did play, they beat him up. But uh, I think, you know what, dude, it's, I know it is time kind of hard to compare these quarterbacks directly, right? Because Ohio State and USC are not playing you know, in the same conference, same competition, three couple of years apart. I will say that even though he only played eight games last year, Justin Field strength the schedule for Ohio State was number one in the country. It was almost yep. up there at number one last year too. And you look last year, they beat Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin. He had a ton of big wins in 2019. And Sam out there at USC, obviously USC is playing in the Pac-10. They're playing good teams too. But just I, I think Justin Fields, to me at least, uh, maybe is graded out a little higher than Sam. His stats kind of blow Sam's out of the water. When you look statistically, Sam had some decent stats at USC, but Sam also turned the ball over a bunch when he was there. Justin Fields really didn't have that issue. And he was able to run the ball a lot better than Sam too. Um, got his team to bigger games. Now in some of those big games, besides the one versus Clemson, Fields didn't necessarily play the best. And that might be one knock on him also, is that you have these two big games, one versus Clemson in 2019, this year versus Alabama. I guess the Alabama game, guys, national championship, he didn't play that bad. He actually got clobbered in that one play. He came back, bounced back, played the rest of the game. What do you think, Wook? I know Justin Fields is somebody that, when these mocks are coming out, you see Zach Wilson a lot there, slotted in a number two for the Jets. I don't think he'd be the biggest surprise in the world if, if Fields went number two, but you see him more, you see him a little further down, say at four where Atlanta's picking, maybe at eight at Carolina, maybe even nine when, with the Broncos. But he is somebody, I think, that the Jets took number two. Zach Wilson's graded out ahead of him in a lot of drafts now, but that wasn't the case maybe like one month ago. You know, so what do you right. think? You think it's far-fetched to think? he might end up being the Jets quarterback next year? I don't think it's far-fetched. Me personally, I would go with Wilson. There's a little bit more there, a little more meat there. And Ohio State quarterbacks, I mean, Haskins, what was his record as a senior? They play, they seem to play really well down there. And then when they get to the next level, for whatever reason, things don't work out all the time. Majority, I mean, and and this kid could be the guy that breaks that. Yeah, that sure. But um, I think Wilson, I think Wilson's gonna, should be, should be the Jets quarterback if you guys you guys definitely get rid of Sam. Right, but you know, when you look at Wilson and you look at Justin Fields, if you look at them from a deep ball perspective, Zach Wilson against, you know, weaker talent is was the more accurate quarterback. But if you look at the intermediate throws, Fields is the most accurate quarterback in college football period. I mean, his intermediate completion percentage and his uh, plays out the pocket to his first, second read, um, like again, within the play structure, he they're like layups, man. He doesn't miss throws like that, you know? And a guy like that in an offense predicated off open windows and 10, 15 yard strikes, he could be dangerous, right? Um, but, and he is a bigger and a faster athlete than a guy like Zach Wilson is, right? When you look at, and again, we'll get into Zach Wilson. Um, when you look at fields holistically, you know, there is a question about his ability to break down defenses. Um, there is a question about his his hesitancy to throw the ball. He had from snap against the blitz the longest time from th from snap to throw of any quarterback in Division One football against the blitz. That's yeah, terrible. You, yeah, you got to correct that. That's, That's gonna, terrible. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, you know, but again, taking the the, the school bias and you know pr pushing that on a on a quarterback sometimes is not really that fair yeah, but short side i said it is yeah. but you know what when we took sam i said 
Uh, we're getting another turnover-prone USC quarterback. Let's give him a chance. And <laughs> Yeah, you know what I always think, though? And just leading to your point, Mike, like it's fun to talk about, but you know how I think. Like I'm not – for instance, I've said a lot of times, Jet fans, we can be self-defeating sometimes. Yeah. And project an air of negativity into the world as if we have a predetermined destiny to not be good. And My that's God. just, to me, foolish. It's not how life really works. I understand right. we could be bad for a long time, but that's not reality to me. So when people say, oh, well, this isn't a good quarterback school, you know, was Texas Tech like slinging out great quarterbacks like before right. Patrick Mahomes got there? You know, if you look at the top of the NFL and you go through all the best quarterbacks, they're all from different schools. You know, Aaron yeah, Rodgers went to Cal, Tom Brady's out there in Michigan. Um, you know, so, Miami of Ohio. Yeah, Matt Ryan, I think, was Boston College. Like all these guys went to different yeah. places. There's not a, there's not a, a college that really puts out pumping out top level elite quarterbacks it's not it's not a thing so when people say oh this school and that school ohio state they kind of stand out more than most because they're a dominant football team for my entire life so that's why they stand out so much maybe clemson's the closest thing when trevor lawrence goes in um, they'll have two elite quarterbacks in there but before we get out of here guys real quick i just want to ask you guys your opinion the wench trade staying on the quarterback topic we know the the contract of carson wentz had a lot to do with the compensation they got a 2021 third round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second rounder could turn into a first rounder this is someone that had three fairly productive seasons before this year one of those years as we know Early season was kind of one of the favorites to win the MVP. Got banged up. They win the Super Bowl with Foles. Comes back in 2019. Statistically, if you go take a look, played pretty well. They didn't win a lot of games. 2020, he played like trash. That's why he's on his way out. But Carson Wentz is someone just got a third and a conditional first. So could be a first, could not be a first, depending on how much he plays. And you heard people say, different writers say they think that Sam could maybe get more than that, which I just thought was wild to think of. Yeah. You know, comparing those guys. Mike, what did you think when you heard that? I thought that Wentz went for what I thought he would go for. And Sam will, after that trade, remember, people will quickly say, oh, he only went for a second and a third. Well, the second is a conditional. He's got to play about 75% and then that turns into a first. But let's remember this, the contract that Carson Wentz has and Sam Darnold doesn't cost it that much at all next year. So that's another part of the context that we need to talk about. Jared Goff went for what he went that whole thing with his contract as part of the negotiation so um i think that sam is going to end up going for a late first i don't think anything has changed i think that the trade was wise for the for both teams colts and and eagles uh hurst is going to get a chance already he's being projected as a top 10 quarterback fantasy wise um we'll see if that projects to wins and wins but um and then the colts are, he's going back under frank Reich, you know where he had success where he had that mvp season you know carson wentz uh with those weapons with jonathan taylor and and the receiving core there so i i think that overall it was good for the league i would think it was good for carson good for the eagles and i think it was good for the jets because now we can really move on trying to trade for Sam. There was a report today saying that the Jets have discussed internally Sam Darnold and have decided to move on. Now that is a rumor. That's not true. That's not, you know, at point it is fact, but it is these rumblings are coming out and sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. So in that perspective, I think it was a good day for the Jets as well. Ralph Bacchiano writes for SNY. Is he one of the stories on Yahoo Sports today? He doesn't think the Wentz trade really affects Sam's value at all. He still has mm -hmm. him kind of pegged as 
a second round value as of now, maybe late first, depending on if a team, you know, values it. The team looks at him and says he's 23 years old. He was drafted number three. Gase really was the reason this guy wasn't able to succeed. Then maybe you get a late first, like we were talking about in our chat today with Jimmy. Nothing's outside of the realm of possibility. Man, we'll see what happens. The carousel is going to keep spinning here, guys. Can I, yeah, before, before we leave, I just want to wrap this up real quick, Keith and, and Nick. Justin Fields, guys. His strengths, he's an accurate passer. He's got great arm strength. He can make all the throws, Keith. Like he said, he can make all those throws, okay? He is aggressive to push the ball down the field. He's tough. He throws receivers open. These are all really good attributes about Justin Fields and why we would welcome him as the new Jets quarterback. But he has weaknesses too. He has poor pocket awareness. That's not good. He can get rattled by the pass rush. He freezes when seeing the blitz, holds on to the ball. Blitz recognition needs work. He needs to check the ball down more. He's not good. He's not that great at going through his progressions. Those weaknesses I just told you about, that is decimating in the professional level. If you can't recognize the blitz, you're finished. Especially so, with the offensive to... line that we have last year well, and the year before right. and the year before. There's strengths, there's weaknesses. I think Wilson might have less weaknesses if you compare the two. And we're going to yeah. get into that next week, everybody. So tune in next week to part yeah. two of the Quarterback yep. Chronicles. Zach Wilson is just going to yes. wrap it up for us this time. If anyone does want to get at us, support us, tweet at us, or find AEBG in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Well, they could just Google AEBG and we just show up. We're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You could find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're all over the universe. I mean, even the Star Wars Galactic Darth Vader, they know who AEBG is. So just look us up. We're on all different platforms. Just get at us, tweet at us, leave us a five-star rating, please. Please, we really appreciate that on Apple iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who listens to us. It's tremendous. We love you and take care. Yeah. You know what, everybody? We don't do that enough is tell everyone how much we appreciate them. And we try to get out to some people this week, some of our biggest supporters that have listened to us the most, send them some messages. We, Mike, we have listeners in places you wouldn't expect, like overseas in the UK, a lot of listeners in uh, Columbus for some reason, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, all throughout the country in places that Dude, you don't expect. Can you, know? can you, can you honestly... Tell me why in Los Huevos we only have two listens. What's why up I, with that? I can tell you that. Everything coming in and out of Los Huevos when it comes to media is controlled by Senor. Okay, it's it's Kim Jong Un and Senor, same page. So they're not getting any real information. He's like, oh, they don't want to know the potential scrubs that are out there, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. All right, so you heard the man, everybody, on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, and the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Cronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Talk to you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans are very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.